Hi, I'm Lisa Morton, founder of Roland Dransfield PR. Welcome to We Built This City. With this podcast, I wanted to shine a light on the people who have put the heart into modern Manchester. You can build a city with bricks and mortar, but it's the people that make Manchester great. People like my guest, Sam Hyde. I'm a more realistic local role model than like someone who's come from money, who's done unbelievable. And I've had a lot of nice messages. I had one from a member and she said, if her son became half the man I am, she'd be proud. And I thought, that's unbelievable, that. Sam Hyde is a professional boxer, born and bred in Sale, Greater Manchester. He's been boxing since he was 14, went professional when he was 18, and now, age 27, he runs his own gym called Nowhere to Hide, where he's been teaching me to box, and has started his own property business. In all the time we've been training together, Sam has been an inspiration to me, and he consistently shows himself to be a real leader. I've always wanted to know what drives someone so young to have such a big impact on a community. What values does boxing give you to grow a business? Which relationships help you with your purpose? And how do you continue to fight when it feels like your business is on the ropes? So I went to the gym and got him in the ring to record the interview. Sam, thanks so much for joining me on We Built This City. Oh, thank you for having me on. So, you're a born and bred Greater Mancunian, born in Sale, and we're recording today in your gym, Nowhere to Hide. So, most people will know you as a very accomplished professional boxer since the age of 14, and we'll talk about that. But you're also a true entrepreneur with this incredibly successful gym and a growing property business, and you're only 27. So, first of all, your gym is called Nowhere to Hide, and you win at names of that, by the way, but not just because it's a convenient play on your surname, but it's clearly your view on life. So, can you tell me what this means for you? Yeah, so, Nowhere to Hide chain, and first developed, really, I was probably about 14. As I was boxing, I developed a name by a random person, to be honest, who said, Jesus, there's nowhere to hide with you in the ring, isn't it? <laughs> and I thought, that's a good one, that. And then... <laughs> As I got older and developed into a bit of a personal trainer, boxing coach, I decided what better name than Nowhere to Hide Training. At first I was thinking, oh, I've not got a name, I've not got a brand yet, but I was thinking, I just believe in it. And then as I grew my boxing, grew my businesses, Nowhere to Hide Training actually is starting and is becoming a brand and a community and a, like a family, like you said, without me. So some people actually come here you know, the coaches, trainers here will introduce them to me. Oh, this is Sam, this, this is the owner. Oh, and they don't know me. And I love that because Nowhere to Hide has kind of built its own brand. So I started it by being a bit aggressive in the ring. But the brand's built its own uh, reason for called Nowhere to Hide because we've built such a great fitness centre. So that's one of my biggest accomplishments, to be fair. The name uh, and the brand in this, to be honest, yeah. It's a fantastic name and it also makes me think that that's kind of part of your culture. As a team there's nowhere to hide so you're fully present and you ask the same of people that come and train here with you. I think everyone feels that too that they come here and they give it their all. Yeah for sure and I think that's why I've been quite fortunate with my clients and as you know I'm so busy and always have been because I genuinely don't look at it in a financial point of view the personal training. I want the best for the clients so if my client wants to get from A to B, I want it sometimes more than them. 
So generally, there's nowhere to hide for them when they join because I want that more than them. Obviously, like yourself, you've been doing it for a lot of enjoyment. You train at other gyms and stuff, and we kind of have a laugh. But I've seen even how much it's you know benefited yourself and enjoyment in the gym, probably, instead of just doing it for an aesthetic point of view. So that's my reward from it. Either way, I feel like we do have a, an impact with the name and the team, like you said. And so you're not saying that I don't look good then, I'm just here for a laugh. Oh no, you look great, but you don't come here to just look great. You come here to, you always text me after saying how amazing you feel. That's kind of what this gym offers. Mm. There's a lot of gyms where you may go and it's more about your body than your mind, but this is both here. That's one of our big business models, really. That's so true. It is a community and everybody's so happy to see each other when they come and everyone walks out with a smile on their face. So you started boxing at 14 at Sale West Amateur Boxing Club. Did somebody encourage you or was that off your own back? Yeah, so that was pretty much completely off my own back. So I was actually, it's a funny story this, I was watching Crocodile Dundee. I was probably about... (laughs) 10 years old, 11 years old, this gen- genuine story. And there's a scene in it, I can't remember which one it is, and he meets Mike Tyson. So obviously, Crocodile Dundee, he's like a daft Aussie who doesn't really know anything. And he's in America, and he's chatting to Mike Tyson at the time, was huge. And it, he's doing yoga in in the park. And uh, as he's walking off, the funny bit about that was, oh, he seems like a lovely fella. So that was like my mum was laughing at that and my dad was laughing that was the funny part of it but obviously I didn't know who Mike Tyson was I didn't find it funny because I didn't know why he wouldn't be a lovely fella so <laughs> mum said he's a he's a boxer and I said what's a boxer and like oh it's where the the uh, fight for money and I was like that's my future job that <laughs> I, I love that we fight and get paid I love fighting it's just always been something naturally I've loved so in terms of who got me into it that was off my own back but then I got introduced by a friend in school who maybe joined that gym, but I believe I would have always found the way into a boxing gym. And I believe I was always meant to box and fight. Um, but that was my way in, yeah. Do you remember the first time you got into a ring and got the gloves on? Yeah, oh, I remember it. Uh, to be honest, the start of my career was one of the most crucial parts of not only boxing my life, because when I went to the boxing gym, I wasn't confident. I didn't think I was anything special. I didn't think I was good. And... I always remember how I was feeling them first few years. So I was walking in the gym thinking I'd probably be the worst there. So naturally, just my confidence levels, I'd think that out of everyone there, I'd be the worst. But as years have passed on, and people who, dads who were watching and mates who I used to box with, and now they're passing their opinion on what they actually thought of me then, that was one big driving force in not just my boxing but my life as in it's all about self-belief because I genuinely thought I'd be the worst in the gym but everyone in the room thought I was the best in the gym but because I wouldn't have believed you know at the time the first time I was in a ring that that's a thing that I remember and think about probably daily you know if not weekly because it was a big part of my life I just always had flashbacks and it's been such a big part of my life and as I'm getting older I remember more which sounds weird, about what that taught me. So that's why I'm always, always recommending my friends, kids or clients, children to to get involved with boxing. And I always suggest try and not let them turn professional because <laughs> mm. there's a different story with that. However, boxing fundamentals is something that I believe is great for kids, adult, anyone, just because 
self-belief is everything. And so do you still feel those doubts sometimes now when you walk into a room or has boxing helped you to completely believe in yourself? Sometimes I'll look back and think, I remember when I was walking in the gym and everyone thought I was the best, but I was, so that inspires me even more. Since that, then you just grow with confidence. And I think once you beat that and you beat yourself, then you can just improve and improve and improve. It's like, you know, if you've run a five minute mile, there's a chance you can probably do a four and a half minute mile. You're not going to go backwards. So I believe once you conquer that self-belief and that full, true belief in yourself, you know, everything's kind of possible and you don't go back then. And I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that is a big part in everything in my life. Why why I'm so confident in stuff, why I don't get stressed, why I have done what I've done. Even just such a little thing like that. Probably the other big thing was I was quite naughty growing up. You used to see me driving around. I remember <laughs> you in the Ranger and thought, I'll have one of them one day. <laughs> and um, I remember going to the boxing gym once. My old trainer, Mr. Dunn, who's called. So that's another thing, Mr. Dunn. Out of respect, you can't call him by his name. It's Mr. Dunn. The other old boy at the gym who owned the gym said, uh, we need a meeting. So I was 15 at the time. And I was like, oh, what have I done now? What? I'm getting kicked out of boxing. I'm not allowed to box. I've done something at school, probably found me doing this, or school's wrong room. And um, they had a meeting with me, and they told me, basically, that like the last person we had in this room was Ricky Hatton. And they said, and we believe if you stick to this and you do what we tell you to do, you've got a huge future in boxing. I nearly fell over. I went bright red. I was thinking, like, you know, it's a, me. You know, did, like, completely caught me off guard. And that is another thing I think of, like, wow, just such a small moment like that changed my life yeah. literally that shows also doesn't it the importance of having the right people around you so that encouragement he took the time to show you that vision in a way so did you then completely commit after that yeah that was my turning point that was the part where I thought I can do it and I, I used to watch videos every day I was on YouTube I'd be running I'd be training so I clearly had something that believed inside but I just think there's another level of self-belief that a lot of people don't conquer and sometimes never will, unfortunately. And that's another reason why I set the gym up and why the gym does well, because I believe I found the way via Mr. Dunn. But if I could pass that on to anyone else and give them the confidence, that's my job done. Because I do, I will always feel so grateful for what Mr. Dunn did for me then. So and at sometimes I've actually thought, I wonder where I would be if Mr. Dunn didn't say that to me. Because everyone sees me now and I'm super confident, as you know, that's me. But then I've seen the world in a different way. So then I started noticing people thinking I was good. I started seeing people watching me on the bag. I started seeing more and more people at fights talking about me. And it was like when you're not confident it's almost like a cloud and you see the world in genuinely different place and it was just the biggest bizarrest thing ever in my life and that was it's crazy isn't it so mr dunn's got a lot of impact on your life then he's still in touch with him now well he passed away so oh. what happened was the gym was an old school boxing gym so we were training twice a week and there was no one really at the time doing anything and as i started doing well i started winning and i was undefeated and I was going into championships and I was winning them. And next thing, I'm getting England call-ups and I'm fighting like these boys who train every day. Their dads were probably boxers and they've pulled them out of school so they can box. Uh, if they're not pulled out of school, they're running before, the dad's running with them in the morning. 
to focus on boxing. I'm training twice a week. So I made a decision because I spoke to Mr. Dunn and I needed to train more. But because it was such an old school setup and he couldn't really fit me in anymore, I had to move away. But at the time, I just thought it's a decision for me. You know, you make decisions in life, as you know, and in business where you've got to do what's right for yourself. And then it wasn't until I started 21, 22, 23, I started looking back at what he actually did for me. And I got back in touch and then we were quite close then until he died. And then that was like a really sad part of my life because at the end of the day, people think, oh, he's only your boxing coach. But it was kind of like he changed everything. And I'm still in contact with all of his grandchildren, they come to my fights, they come to the gym, they're just like, you know, part of my family. And even though we don't speak 24-7, we've just got a weird bond from what Mr. Dunn's done for me. So they love what he's done for me because it's their granddad. And I love what their granddad's done for me. So it's just a friendship. Connection. And that's yeah, true connection. legacy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, what a legacy sure. he's left there. So you started boxing at 14, then were you professional by the time you were 15? So I started boxing a bit earlier, but I think my first fight was probably around then. And then, um, so you can't turn professional until you're 18. Okay. So um, I was boxing at a high level at 15. And then I turned professional at 18, but I suffered with asthma. Still do now, but it's controlled and we had to go through vigorous tests to make sure I could pass my test. So I didn't get the license until I was 19. So I had my first fight at 19 professionally and then you had unbelievable success didn't you so you were undefeated weren't you I know nothing about boxing yeah. but I do know that you were extremely successful so what were the stats on there you're only we defeated twice in your matches so I've 18 I lost the two and one of them was due to injury which um I was up on the scorecards and everyone in the arena knows I was up and that was a another fight in my career where people even now to this day it was two years ago or however long it was I was at this fight I was at this fight you know if I had a pound for every person who said they were at this fight you were so unlucky you were unlucky you were unlucky there's like always a theme I was unlucky and it just wasn't meant to be and then the next fight was last January against Dion Juma and I lost by one point and he was the champion at the time and I believe I did win but he got the decision um, and a lot of people did think I was very hard done by losing however when they're the champion sometimes everything's in their favor right. so yeah out of the 18 the two losses but I generally don't feel like I've ever lost you know in my head I feel like I've won both of them but on paper yeah and how do you feel because I know one of those fights were you the undercard weren't you for Tony Bell yeah so I do know some stuff yeah um, well but <laughs> but then I know some of the pundits at the time said that that injury to your eyes one of the worst they'd ever seen yeah how did you bring yourself back from that that was a an injury which probably looked the worst you've ever seen. But the probably worst injury I've ever had in a boxing room was when I dislocated my knee. It was my first fight with my new trainer. I wanted to impress. I was at Manchester Arena. And um, my opponent pulled out last minute. And we get this heavyweight in who can fight because it's hard matching you because no one would make weight in a day. So this heavyweight come on. And he was southpaw, which, me, as you know now, it's the other way around. And... Um, you cross past with your front foot because my left foot's front forward and his right foot's forward. So you're always standing on each other's toes. And um, this time he was stood on my toe and punched me. And I've tried moving, but my foot's stuck, but my knee's not. So I fully dislocated my knee in the fight. And I stood up and popped it back in and carried on fighting. So like looking back now, even even now I'm thinking, wow, what, what a beast I am doing that. But at the time, <laughs> yeah. my mentality is... 
I wasn't even thinking no. I should stop. It's like, it's not even like a, an option. That's probably it. Everyone says, how did you quit? I was like, I don't give myself that option ever. And I don't know if that's a natural, I can't comment because I only live in my brain, but that's a genuine natural mindset of mine. I'm not sure if anyone else would. Um, I don't know if it can be taught, but they say you've either got it or you've not. But yeah, that was probably the worst one in terms of recovery, pain, everything. And then the eye one, you know, I um, had a small fracture on my, my eye socket and it was a huge swelling over the eye and could have caused brain bleed and it was it, that one was, was awful. But in terms of pain, you know, that was kind of minor, really. It looked horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been here boxing with you and you've had phone calls with people phoning you up or offering you an opportunity to fight. Yeah. And I know a couple of times you've gone, not a chance, not doing that one. So do you want to fight again? And if so, what would we get you back in the ring? The thing with boxing, and even it's a dangerous place to be with me in here because I love being in the ring and I'll fight all the time. However, what COVID has taught me over the last you know, 12 months was you've got to prioritise yourself, your family and your health but also your financial circumstances. And I've never, ever had to really realise those. But when everything came crashing down, there was so many, so many circumstances and situations which you you really felt you, you're on your own now. Contracts were stopped, as you know. You know, contracts would have been paused. Money would have been stopped. Everything was stopped. So at that point, you've got to really focus on yourself. And boxing wasn't paying there's no people in the arenas there was no fights you know there was boxing was cancelled for a bit so I had to concentrate on business because that was what was going to keep me you know keep me going and then as I've been doing that and obviously I've got my, my team here and we've been putting on so many classes to keep everyone we've built up in the community going it's actually been costing me to own a gym so a lot of people don't really know what what goes on in in the gym and don't get me wrong when we're open we smash it, we do really well. But for 12 months, I was paying out my own money to keep this alive, paying wages, paying everything, because everything stopped. So when you're in that situation, that was the first time in my life I had to prioritise myself and my finances rather than boxing. So I'm in a bit of a crossroad position where I've got a property company, I've got a building contracting company, I've got shares in a surveying company, chartered surveying company, and I've obviously owned the gym. And financially, I'll be okay without boxing. I'll do well. And I think it's a question of where my energy is going to lie once I've recouped what we've lost in lockdown. And I think time will tell, really. Right now, I just need to concentrate on getting everything back to where we're at. Um, everything back in my favour and then we can go from there but the way business is going and the way you know my building contracts and companies going it's moving towards one way and you know setting me up after my career because I know a lot of fighters they struggle after boxing and even even not forget money what do you do when you're retired you know all I've ever done since I was a kid was every morning you think about boxing you think about dieting you think about just boxing 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 and I had to adjust to not think about that first I still think about it every day but you've got to think about business and then since I've done that I've realized I will be able to do this so I would love to fight again however I can't let it affect my businesses again
And do you think that the discipline that you learn as a young person and then training in boxing for all those years has, has set you up in a, in a position where you can be disciplined around the way you run your businesses? Yeah, definitely. And not just discipline, probably hard work because when you're an amateur, you'd fight for six minutes. So it'd be three two-minute rounds. So you're training for, for a six-minute fight. I'd sometimes on 75 to 80 percent of the time knock them out in the first or second round so i'm training for two months three months for four minutes two minutes and it basically teaches you that you've got to put a lot in to get a little out but i think a lot of people are born with the other mentality put little in and get a lot out (laughs) yeah so i feel weird if i don't get up at half five in the morning and go home at six i can't remember the last i've never been back to my house chilling at 6 p.m for (laughs) i can't remember it's 5 30 till nine days if i didn't it'd be weird i I feel like i'm a dosser or something i feel like (laughs) like it's just what i've been brought up not only my family but boxing so yeah that has definitely taught me that definitely and I know that you've told me before about just having to like make weight and stuff like that the sacrifices (laughs) you have to make as a young lad when you want to be doing other stuff that must have set up some values in you and some disciplines I suppose to some degree yeah definitely but I always thought you know when I'm coming towards the back end of my career and and I'm financially set and I've got stuff going that I can eat what I want but now I'm worrying about health and Mm. putting on weight and (laughs) looking bad so I've basically learned that I just got a diet my whole life now, which is <laughs> unfortunate. But um, you do though, don't you? You probably, you know, when you see, I remember I used to see my mate's family and they'd be like eating at these restaurants every night. My family never ate out. We'd like, we used to have a takeaway every Saturday and that was like a really big treat. And, um, you know, I was thinking, oh, well, I'm going to get loads of muscle and eat out every night. <laughs> but then when you eat out every night, you get put on weight. You so now you can't do the things you always wanted to do. <laughs> So um, all that money in the future, and you're all, still all eating two boiled eggs. <laughs> you've still got a diet, so <laughs> yeah. Um. I know. Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam, you packed a lot in by the time you're 27. Did you start off very early then? When you left, what did you do when you left school? When everyone was picking up the GCSEs, I had to take a day off work, or I didn't even take a day off work. I had to come and pick up my exams because I was working early. But obviously. When I was working, I was on £100 a week and £100 a week wouldn't pay for my boxing subs, my you know, to, to live. Um, so I had a bus pass and I used to, if you've ever watched the film Catch Me If You Can, when he uh, edits the numbers in the bath and stuff like that, I actually did that and edited my bus pass to uh, give me a longer expiry date. And I did that all the way up until I was probably... 18 where I had to make the decision to work at a call centre because when you're working as a labourer you can't do half days it's a full day so I had to get a job nine to one so and then I did that until I turned professional and I had to leave work with no money so when I turned professional everyone was saying well done but I was actually more skint because I had no income coming in at all so I used to have to get up at five and I used to cycle to Moss Side Leisure Centre, train at six till seven, cycle back home, eat, cycle back to Moss Side for 12, train for two hours, cycle back home. And then that's when I started nowhere to our training because I was absolutely broke to make uh, money from four o'clock onwards. So my day started at five and always finished at nine. So I always thought work hard 
and you will not have to do that but I'm still doing that now so <laughs> I'm still awaiting the day I can get up at get up at nine and finish at four so um I don't yeah, think you that, ever will that, that's how I got a lot in <laughs> that's incredible started young so we're sitting in this fantastic gym which you've opened when you're just 22 and the thing that strikes me and everybody that talks to me about this gym is how much they love it it's like the heart of the community you're born in sale as you say but you've always always love sale haven't you this has been a big community yeah. for you and you have drawn there's so many like we were talking before there's so many mutual connections we've got through this place yeah it's crazy so how does that make you feel this year especially i've really noticed how it does make me feel really good what i've created everything else i've done i'm not proud of myself yet because i've got huge huge goals and probably by then i'll have even bigger goals so i'll never be fully content and happy with myself and what i've achieved however Nowhere to our trainers community. Genuinely, what people get out of something I've created uh, is amazing. And obviously, when you first set it up, I set it up kind of for myself. You know, it was for me to make a bit of money. And then as things grow, you know, and then it's like do this for them. And then I'm I'm a very like people's person. Always, I'm a giver. I like helping people, and that's a natural attribute that I've got. And the gym and the, the the team I've got with me, they carry the same attributes. And I think that's how we work together and how we've lasted. And seeing what people get out of it is amazing. And I can't thank my team enough for helping me achieve that as well. So so tell me about the property company, because again, that was a complete surprise when you went, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. So what? tell me all about that. When I was growing up, I always used to listen to rich people, wise people, because I was like, how can I do that? I, you know, my family don't have money. I was like, I need to achieve this. I need to do this. And so I'd listen and I've realized most people I talked to had some involvement in property. That's just like life. And hang on, there's some familiarities here. Like there's some connections with property. I need to do it. So as soon as I had enough money to buy my first property, I jumped in the deep end, bought a property, and then it kind of just grew and grew and grew. So I, I've had six properties, and I'm just buying another one now. I sold one recently, and then from that, I started doing them up. So as I bought one, that would be like, you know, change the bathroom, make it a bit nice, rent it out, grow my confidence in that kind of stuff. And, and then to the point where we were doing complete renovations, whole, you know, projects which people wouldn't take on and, I took a lot of risk in some properties um, and just went with it really. And the experience I gained from that was what developed my next company, which was the contracting company. So as I started investing in my own property, developed a huge team of tradesmen, joiners, plumbers, plasterers, everybody who do work at a great standard. And I was a joiner as well. So when I left school early and started joinery, um, picked that up quite quick. And then... um, went working for myself you know that was another thing of self-belief people would have waited another five years I went soon as I could go self-employed I did it but then I chose to follow boxing so I had experience in that but then my business partner and best friend Sam who's also from where we live he was a surveyor he's a building surveyor so he needed um he started looking after a few projects for his company and he needed teams so he started coming to me and I was really good at that. And I've developed a lot of respect with tradesmen because, you know, I offer them a lot of value and mm. a lot of business. So as this is developing, and before you knew it, we, we've got a business without making money. Sam's getting, Sam works for someone doing it. 
and uh, you know I've just got a property company so we thought so we had so many meetings about what what could we do how could we get into it what and we call ourselves dreamers so especially my business partner he believes he's going to be in San Tropez next year I believe I'm going to be in San Tropez in 10 years so <laughs> I'm realistic <laughs> dreamer he's a dreamer so I started just having a play about with words and uh Dreamers in Latin is a uh, somnium, so somnium build developed. So that was from my business partner, me dreaming all the time, and I said, "You're right, dreamer." You. So I started just googling dreamer in Latin, and um, it's somnium. I so, love that. So somnium build, which has now developed NHS contracts, huge projects. Just yesterday, got confirmation of um, my first partnership with Hong Kong investor um which is massive because that was like i said i always knew chinese have money property and now i'm involved with one and who knows where that's going to take us and we've developed a really big team now a really good team and it's just you know coming into like probably going to be the biggest business i will have which is amazing but that's i think how things happen when you you probably look at some businesses and think that they sat down for years planning it and then did it all with like money, but they don't. You know, Amazon started off. He was selling books. That was it. And then he seen an opportunity. And then you know, when things grow, and then now he's got the biggest business in the world. And that's how things develop. So like for anyone who's thinking about doing a business, don't think you can't. You just got to start somewhere, and things develop. I didn't think I'd have as big contracting company at 27 as I did. I didn't think I'd have a contracting company, but. You've just got to start and roads take you some fun places for sure. <laughs> That's the quote of the year, you're <laughs> right. It's just doing the stuff, isn't it? It's taking yeah. the action and seeing where that goes without really knowing exactly what the outcome's going to be. And that's the fun bit. And obviously you can't do it on your own. So you said before, which was interesting, that you didn't want this place, the gym that we're in here, to be necessarily your name. You wanted to build a brand. Yeah. So and that's what you're doing with the building company. It takes an army of people, doesn't it, behind you, with you, in front of you to be a success. I can see how you operate as a leader you take your team with you and they're running with you and they're as ambitious for what you're trying to achieve as you are what do you think the secret to that is and what I'm interested in do you think you've worked with some amazing coaches as you said Mr Dunn do you think you've learned stuff from those those people that supported you and coach you yeah definitely and I think what I've realized more than anything is everything's situation for situation and coach for coach everybody is different so me growing up, the most important things to me more than anything as a kid would have been having a Lamborghini, a massive house, living in Cheshire. That was it. <laughs> like nothing else mattered. Like I thought, and a gorgeous girlfriend, that's kind of like, doesn't matter her personality if she's gorgeous. <laughs> that, that's what I thought mattered. Oh, Sam. But as you get older, you start realising yeah. different things. And But I start thinking that that's what everyone would want. But then you soon realise that's not what everyone wants everybody's different and I've learned along the way with my team where I've had some amazing people who has contribute to where we are now and they've left to do different things and I may have treated them like myself so the key to I believe building such a good team who are with you who's got your back no matter what is basically treating them for for who they are you know like rather than like a one-stop shop you know you can't make a monkey swim the ocean you can't make a fish climb a tree <laughs> so like you've got to be very very loose with them and you've got to let them be themselves and I feel like when people are caged trapped that's where you don't get anything out of them but I just let all my team 
do what they want within reason, obviously, but they, they're all treated for how they are. But then once you act like that, you end up, you know, law of attraction or whatever you call it, people come into your life who are very, very like yourself, like Ollie, you know, like bands and you just... You just attract those people, I believe, when you have that mindset. Mm. You were both here now, I think. Tell me the story about Ollie, I love it. Yeah, so obviously Indeed, um, where we, we post for jobs and we needed another coach, we were taking off and we needed a boxing coach, we needed a level three PT, we needed someone who's going to come in, take a big responsibility and come in and really make a difference and um absolutely smash it so i'm looking at age age ranges between 25 to 35 because that's how they would have developed the experience i need for this role and um we started getting loads of emails people are contacting me personally um people are emailing my personal accounts ringing me and we had so much interest kind of for these roles but out of all of them just one stood out and this is genuine because I got um, an email off this lad who turns out to now be Ollie and he, he emailed. Not only did he email, everybody, even even the good applicants just posted the CV. Um, but he posted a cover letter with it and on the cover letter was explaining his situation and he was basically the worst candidate who, who applied for it. He didn't tick any boxes. <laughs> he didn't tick one level three no um the age range no experience not really it was just wrong lives from bolton <laughs> yeah it's it was just wrong for this gym but i just had a feeling and and um he he got in touch again and then he got my number somehow and he rang me and he was like quite nervous i could tell because it turns out he's a boxing fan so he's watching me on tv and like now he's ringing and he was a bit nervous and um, he'll say he wasn't now but um, he's he's in there <laughs> but um, so he rang me and I was thinking I said well are you free tomorrow and he was just like and I just knew I just had a feeling he probably wasn't free but he just said yeah and it reminded me of me you know if I thought something good was going to happen I'd be like you know could you know, could be anything could I have on are you free tomorrow yeah of course <laughs> I'm like what time but and he did that and uh, I met him and I just I met him and I just, he was a bit of like, you know, rugged guy, he's come and he just looked a bit lost really and I just thought he just needs a bit of guidance and I was a bit sceptical because I've, I've, I've done it before with people and then it, it just doesn't turn out right but I just I just had a feeling and I threw him in the deep end really and I started, so I started um, getting him experience, started throwing him in with classes with me, taking him to the schools um, and then he got his qualifications he become level two become level three and then as the years go and then the other day and that's where the video came from so um i'm ringing ollie going mad saying we need to f- move people around we can't fit anyone in when i say i'm fully bought usually to people we are f- we are, we, most hours are full but we can move this person to five so this one can do s- this things we can do i'm stressing because we can't fit not one person in at this stage with Ollie. Like, Ollie's got people who want to train with Ollie. So I'm thinking we need to get the money back. But Ollie's full. Like, nobody can fit with Ollie. Like, he did 44 hours PT this week. No. 44 God. PT. Like, that it's unheard of. 40 foot, like, no PTs do that. No wonder he's sleeping in that room ones. now. <laughs> I'm getting him a bed in there, yeah. 
But he actually rents one of my places around the corner. So he doesn't live in Bolton anymore. Yeah. But, um, and I was just thinking about it, thinking, wow, like that lad, because you almost forget, don't you? And yeah. he might, might, might have forgot, like, when he was in this gym and this, an even bigger story to it, which is probably not my place to say, but it was, he wasn't in the best position in many ways when he came here. And this basically sorted his life out, but it, he's done unbelievable things for me, but also for him. So it's a point where his mum actually thanked me, you know, and his mum won't say that to him because he's, you know, he's, he was always in trouble, but he's like become a different man. And it's, it's amazing to see that, but as well as he's benefiting her business so much, like people can say, we always, we, we wind each other up in it. So like, Ollie's fully booked, but Be- and Becky will say, yeah, but the Sam's clients, Sam's got you fully booked, but she's joking. But at the end of the day, the fact that 44 people or 44 hours want to chain with, you know, Ollie is unbelievable, yeah, isn't it? And amazing. that's not classes, Zooms, you know, everything else we do. So um, he's done un- unbelievable. And then there's bands. So I was in, I, I always had, I had two female PAs. So, you know, you watch films. So I get a lot of things from films, you see, and there's always a woman PA. So I'm thinking, uh, I need a you know, woman PA, obviously, a businessman, that's what happens. And then this young little uh, Filipino chap uh, applies for the job. And I just had another feeling. I thought, I just know he comes from the Philippines. He's like, when he had nothing, his story from like in the Philippines, Manila was mad. Um, come here with nothing. And I thought he's a grafter. They know how to graft. Not as much as a... <laughs> but you never got to tell in your life, bands, have you? But he's just like, you know, he's, he's on it. So like, and, and he's becoming like my little right-hand man. So that's that story. But that's how I like doing things. It's the, it's the story, isn't it? Totally. It's not just the, you, you know, it's how I met him. How, that's the fun part of business, exactly. isn't it? Definitely. And obviously, you know that we kind of talk about values a lot at Roller Dransfield, but yeah. I think your standout value to me is like there's so much loyalty from you towards your team and yeah. backwards. I mean, do you feel that every day? Yeah, definitely. Vice versa. And I think one probably my worst, not not attribute, but probably, and I think you have it as well because we've spoke about this in the past. It's natural to be a bit, um, a bit kind of, insecure about staff just because you've been treated bad in the past where you, I know for a fact you go out your way tenfold for your team and then when you don't get treated the same back you know you almost think everyone's in the you know in the, you know someone can always do that to you so in a way we need that to know that at any point things can change as a business point of view but then you've got to let things go and know that people generally do have your back mm. and you've got theirs, but mm. you will always have something in the back of your head, like I do, and I'm sure you do, where you have still got to be switched on for in case situations change, um, you know, people move on, things happen, so nothing will surprise me really. And I think, you know, you're the same, especially with what's gone on in lockdown with yourself as well. But just going back to what you said before, that I had a little bit of a moment then, because when you said about allowing people to be them and not everybody wants in your team wants to run a million miles an hour no, and wants to have like you. <laughs> and I'm guilty of that at times Damo's here too so I'm going to they agree with me but that's really it's allowing people isn't it to go on that journey with you in the way that works for them yeah after exactly learning 25 that, years down the line to do that definitely so I've probably <laughs> learned it quicker yes you have Sam so 
But, yeah, Thanks for reminding me. But it's because I've got people like yourself in the gym. So I learn off people like you, business people in the gym. And because like genuinely that is like having you in the gym, having everyone else you see in the gym. I learn off everybody, mm. younger, older, anybody. Like I see their circumstances. I learn from things. And I think that's another main yeah. attribute of um, maybe myself or the brand and everything that you've, you've, you never stop learning. Do you? That's you've so true. Like, learn off anyone, you know. And I know you're genuinely like that. Anything I'll say, anyone will say, you're always listening. Some people are like, you know, what do I need to listen for? But they'll hit a point, won't they, where... Two ears, one mouth. Yeah. That's the that's what yeah, I definitely. I was taught. I bet you've not read our values, have you? I did. Oh, sorry. Go on then. Do you, well you've got not got a piece of paper them on, so go on. Which one do you like? Um <laughs> Go on, you, you name a few. And I'll I told say, you. I did. You text me as well. I'll hum it, you sing it. So well, leaders create leaders. I I picked sorry, one yeah. for you. Yeah. So no, that's a good I'll one for you. More when you say it. Champions do extra. Yeah. No dickheads. <laughs> that actually one didn't see that that is yeah no dickheads that's number two oh, sweep it. the sheds no jobs too small yeah. um, no integrity slippage yeah admit it fix it move on that's a good one nice do you want me to keep going yeah <laughs> you testing me loyalty always that's, yeah, oh, that's, that's a good one for you one. is that the one yeah that's a good one for you yeah does everybody agree that's listening <laughs> fans would you agree there you go, Ollie's asleep because he's had 44 hours personal training. <laughs> Plus classes and Zooms. <laughs> Plus classes yeah. and Zooms. We talk about legacy at Roland Dransfield and I love the story about Mr Dunn. He's done his bit, say for sure. Yeah. You've already created a legacy at your age at 27. I know you're really building on that and your legacy and your ambition is going to create a lot of opportunities for lots of other people who will learn from you and come on your journey. How important do you think it is to do a Mr Dunn and to leave a legacy? You know, when you see people doing charity work and you say, I used to, and I'll admit it, I used to think, but like, why are they so nice? Am I like evil or something? Why, <laughs> why do people want to do nice things all the time? And I, I feel like you've got to go through something in your life where you then realise why it's good to give back. And that's got to come natural. And I've always been a given, always been, you know, nice and help people. But when it's brought on yourself, it's like, I'd love to like pass something on to someone else where I had that impact and I have I think in here you know a lot of a lot of mums maybe get in touch and they've probably seen me as you know might have gone to school with their older child or you know they've seen me as a kid being really naughty getting up to no good banned from driving for all sorts you know I was bad path and then switched it up and then now they see me as kind of like wow he's doing so well so I'm a more realistic role model local role model than like someone who's come from money who's you know done unbelievable but you you can't um you can't relate can you but if I get a lot of kids who are from the same school I went to same area where mums look at me and they're like even you know and I've had a lot of nice messages I had one from a member and she said if her son became half the man I am she'd be proud and I thought that's unbelievable that that I've not even had any engagement with him but some of the lads who I've seen in here and I do have that in my mind where if even if I can just add a little bit of value like Mr Dunder to me that's like such a reward isn't it so like I remember Fred Dome doing a speech and um, he, he like, gave, like, 17 million to a youth zone. And he was genuinely like, I don't know what you're thanking me for. I get more out of this than, than they do. 
And I was like, I love that because mm-hmm. like I do. So when everyone thanks me, I'm like, don't thank me. Like this is this this is this gets me going. Mm-hmm. Getting someone like you know inspired. Like don't thank me. Like I've already got my like it is, isn't it? And like you get your own buzz. So I don't want to be thanked because I get my buzz from that. Exactly. And that's a life with purpose, then, isn't it? It's like it's not 100%. the Lamborghinis and the gorgeous girlfriend. It's I still the, want them. <laughs> let me add. <laughs> no. I've got the gorgeous girlfriend. I was going to say, I set that I'll up for you to say that, for Olivia. Sam, so Manchester's known, isn't it, for its amazing boxing community. Stacey Copeland's been on the podcast before. One of my best mates is Martin Tempest Mitchell. Your mates are Anthony Crawler, aren't you? So there's a lot, you're all kind of knitted together aren't you why do you think that is the case why is Manchester so strong in that respect I think that's the case not in just boxing with everything you Mm. know everybody is so integrated in some way it's such a small place I think the two cities that I really believe are similar Liverpool and Manchester like because I train with a lot of scousers Callum Smith Liam Smith Stephen Smith um, you know Paul Butler's from Ellesmere Port, so he's a plastic scouser, so he's not a complete <laughs> scouser. But everybody, it, they're this, we're the same. Everyone, I'm not a big footy guy, and like everyone hates scousers, scousers hates Manx, and it's just we're the same. Like they, they love the town, and so do we. Like mm. you know, and um, it's just a natural Manchester thing. There was a guy in here the other day, and one of my mates is fighting Chris Eubank on the uh, the weekend. Um, one of my best mates in boxing, Marcus Morrison. And um, we're talking about it, and I really hope Marcus does it. And um, he said, I'm not even asked. I'm putting money on him because he's from Manchester. And I thought, that is Manchester, that, isn't it? <laughs> he's yeah. putting on He said, I don't give a shit. I've never seen him fight, but he's from Manchester. And I was like, do people from London go, oh, yeah, he's from London. I'm going to do it. And they don't. I know they don't. They're just, you know, cocky cockneys. And like, they are. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to live in anywhere else in England and here. And is that fraternity, or it's not fraternity, is it? That community, have, have they been supportive of you? Has that been a really great place for you to be? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And that's another thing as well. I think as I've like stepped away from boxing a bit, I've realised that even more how many people would come and see my fights and plan their weekends mm. around boxing mm. um, and, and maybe just support, whether it be football, whether it be... It is a huge um, sporting city, isn't mm, it? Definitely. Really, it's, it is, which everyone supports. But I see when I see boxing, like the, the groups of people who are really into boxing, I mean, like, you know, well, you, you fought at Vegas, didn't you? I mean, like, and, and Martine, she'll get on a plane and go and support people when the, when the you know, fight's abroad. Like, uh, the yeah, drop of a hat. Yeah. Ricky Atten being the main one. Yeah. You know, people followed him everywhere you know mm. just like all over all over the world and he's left a, he was like he was my first inspiration I used to watch him every single day and then um and then it it moved out of manchester then i started seeing other boxers then who i thought oh i prefer him now but he ricky Atten was my first one um and then anthony crawler to be honest he's a mate of mine so it's like it's weird talking about crawler like a an idol because like me and me and Carla shared a room in Vegas and had a right laugh and were good, good mates. And but he is one of my idols. Like what he's done in boxing and not 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 even his boxing now. Him as a person with having the fame he's got and just him as a person. Like that's like he inspires me to be like him. Sometimes he do things well. Like, that's so nice. You know that's what I want to do. You know rather than just like oh he boxes like this. This is what I want to do. So. Yeah, I'd say Crawler's probably my biggest 
idol in boxing in Manchester. Well, that leads me straight into the quickfire round because the first question was, who is your most inspirational Mancunian boxer? Yeah, Crawler. Crawler. <laughs> Best fight in Manchester to date? Ricky Hatton, Costa Zoo. I think it was 2003 or something like that. Yeah, that was like unbelievable. So it was a fight where, that was a fight where Ricky Hatton then become big time because he was always known for being this popular guy who they got the opponents at the end of the career. And even people say about this Costa Zoo saying he was at the end of the career. So people to this day even say that was the best atmosphere. I wasn't there, unfortunately, but people say that fight, even all the big fights happened was the best atmosphere ever. Jed King, one of your mates, yeah. mutual mates, yeah. he was there. Oh, wow. So that was Jed's favourite fight really? ever. Amazing. I'd forgot about Jed, obviously a massive boxing fan and has obviously boxed a lot, hasn't he? Now in Thailand, um, what would you order at the Chippy? In Thailand? No, no. You said in Thailand, what would you order I at the Chippy? Jed King in Thailand. Chippy in Thailand. Um, <laughs> what would he order? Yeah, you're on a diet all the time, so what would you order at the Chippy? No, I'd, I'd order, f- <laughs> do you know what? I'm actually in that, when I, if I'm eating a Chippy, I might go and all out. You can't really like, <laughs> eat healthy can you just oh fuck it so i'd have fish chips peas gravy curry (laughs) on the side everything's got to be on the side so in my head i'm thinking i'll have a bit of everything but then like an hour later i'm like shit i ate it all i don't eat pork so not no sausage um (laughs) in fact what was bad there was a place in on uh, canal street in town this fish and chips place and um they do vegan like pies so I was like, oh, that sounds good. Then I'd be like, oh, fish, yeah, got to get a fish. Then chips. Oh, and then the halloumi sticks, get them. And then I was like, I can't do this. That's why I ate Alfie, because <laughs> I, I spent £50 there or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, good answer to be able to that, that question. A- but I do that once a year. So. <laughs> oh my God. That is probably the best answer to that question I've ever had. <laughs> Three qualities to describe a Mancunian. Uh, loyal respectful and loud (laughs) (laughs) brilliant that's a lovely way to end we built this city and i just want to say thank you for being a guest thank you for for training me and and the two (laughs) kids and keeping me from not being else well at least i can wear my leggings still let's say that after lockdown and one thing i want to say is just that you know as the community and everything is set up here you are a local community leader that's for sure and i really see that when i come in here and keep on doing what you're doing good luck with the property company and i'll see you in la at some point yes, definitely. <laughs> or at the chippy <laughs> not in the chippy la that suits me better but i'll thank you for having me on thanks sam and can you get me in this week please fans sort out sam hyde is helping to build this city by making quitting not an option, by foregoing the nine to five and going for a five to nine, and by learning the rules of life much faster than me, apparently. The boxing community in Manchester is really tight-knit, and if you want to find out more about another boxer who has had a massive impact in creating change in Greater Manchester, you can listen to Stacey Copeland. She's in a previous episode of We Built the City, Look for Mank 14. If you want to find out more about how you can work with us at Roland Ransfield to improve your relationships, build your values and leave a legacy, then head to rdpr.co.uk or give us a call on the number we've had for the past 25 years, 0161 236 1122. Thank you and see you next time.